Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the It's Not Your Fault episode of the Sunday Night Fantasy Pros <laughs> Football Podcast. I am your host, Dan Harris, here to tell you that you are good enough, you are smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. With me, as always, is Mike Tagliere. You can find us on Twitter at DanHarris80 and at Mike Tagliere NFL Tags. We mentioned a couple of movies that came to mind last week with some of the developments. You noted Inception. I talked about Airplane. Well, today and this weekend particularly, I thought of Goodwill Hunting, where Robin Williams just kept repeating to Matt Damon, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> there are a lot of people out there, Tags. They started Keenan Allen, Lamar Miller, and Aaron Jones in their fantasy playoffs. Maybe they turned to Marcus Murphy in a pinch. Frank Gore had been getting it done lately. But maybe they were lucky enough and they avoided all the players that played but left almost immediately with injuries. They might have started Saquon Barkley or Adam Thielen or Andrew Luck. Tags, <laughs> make these people feel better about their lives. Come on, we got to do something. That might have been the best intro to a podcast ever. Oh, um, and I, it's it's a it's a really good title. It's not my fault. Episode I, and like it's it's funny because I actually wrote uh, I put out my rankings this morning and uh, I started with an intro. I always put something you know in there, some personal experience. And uh, I went to a friend's giving last night. And uh, I can't tell you how many guys there, grown men, were telling me that uh, the reason their fantasy team is no longer in the playoffs is because they had, you know, carry on Johnson. You know, he's hurt during the playoffs and that's why they lost. I'm like, do you guys realize that there's a lot of injuries around the league, right? A lot of teams have lost players. And, you know, sometimes you really can't help it. If you have multiple injuries, you're missing three of your starters during the fantasy playoffs. That stuff's going to happen and you can't blame yourself. And it's really not your fault. But don't go blaming carry on Johnson. That's just... Let's just hope at least that your friends were not one of the people that, you know, tweet at the athletes and get angry at them or anything Oh, no, like that. I would I would lose it on them. I, I would I, hope so. Yeah. But the bottom line is this. You know, it's one thing to lose some of your stud players before they play. If you have, you know, Odell Beckham, that that's tough, right? But you knew he mm-hmm. was out. You can try right. to make other arrangements. When these guys play, who are totally healthy, by the way, Keenan Allen, Lamar uh-huh. Miller, Aaron Jones, they weren't playing through injury and you were, you know, they weren't Matt Breida-ing it. You know, they were really <sighs> totally healthy. And it just happened, and that is just tough. And, you know, I feel for, for those people. Um, I had Miller in one league, but really not. It, it's tough. It's tough. Um, but, you know, today, this weekend, it was just insane. It, it was nuts. And, and you know, I, I imagine you're going to see some some crazy results uh, in your fantasy league. But I want you, everyone, to just take a deep breath. Yep. It's okay. We're going to make you feel better about it, or at least we're going to try to explain uh, <laughs> what everything that happened with it. But uh, before we do that, uh, I do want to remind everyone about our latest giveaway, the signed David Johnson Cardinals helmet. You can submit an entry just by going to fantasypros.com slash contest. That'll tell you exactly what to do, which is just to leave a review for the podcast on iTunes, positive or negative, and just screenshot your review and send it to contest at fantasypros.com. Now, like all our signed giveaways, this one comes from Pristine Auction. If you're listening to this podcast, that means you like fantasy football, which means you like football, which means you like football memorabilia, which means you will love Pristine Auction. Every day, there are literally hundreds of auctions of football and other memorabilia. Everything on the site is guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. The best part is that because there are so many auctions, there are outstanding deals. Yesterday, I saw an Amari Cooper signed Raiders jersey that you could have bought for tags for $59, Mm. a signed Jerry Rice 49ers jersey for $129, and an Antonio Brown signed football for $79. So go to pristineauction.com right now. I guarantee you're going to love it. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com and don't forget to tell them that you heard about them from fantasy pros so we can keep doing things like the david johnson helmet giveaway 
All right, Tags. Uh, last week we discussed this a little bit, but you know, there's one week left in your fantasy playoffs. Give me some guys who you think saw their value change the most positively or negatively today or from this weekend. I think that the the one that stands out to me, because we're at the point in the season where the depth charts are what they are, we kind of know who is who, but uh, the one who took a big leap forward, obviously, that with the Aaron Jones injury would be Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is like the the lone running back in the backfield for an Aaron Rodgers-led offense, and I mean, that may not mean much <laughs> right now, considering that Aaron Rodgers in the Packers offense hasn't been great, but being a one-back system, knowing he's going to get 15 pluses, uh, plus touches against the Jets next week. He's someone who took a massive, massive leap forward, uh, should be owned in every single league. And it was funny. I had the decision today, like this morning, because like those are the guys you handcuff, right? And I'm like, well, if something happens to Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams is going to have viability. So I kept him on a team. Uh, but sometimes you have to cut those guys loose. So he's probably going to be available in a lot of leagues. Someone who lost a lot of value to me is it's as crazy as to say, because Frank Gore went down with an injury. I mean, can we say that anybody can start Kenyon Drake confidently at all? I mean, Frank Gore goes down in the first half of that game. Kenyon Drake's had one carry? One carry? Kalen Balaj walked in in like 12 carries? Like, and he, he, I mean, he looked good on those carries, but Kenyon Drake's looked good all year. Like, I don't know why the Dolphins just don't release Kenyon Drake. I mean, I'm sure they're going to release Adam Gase before that happens, but I, I have no words for what happened to Kenyon Drake today. So I was going to ask you about that because I did not get to see this particular game and I was going through the box score and I knew that Gore had left early and I assumed mm-hmm. that Drake, you know, I saw the Balazs had had the, the big carry and the touchdown, but I assumed that Drake was the primary carrier and that was sort of something that happened when he was getting a break or something. I, I There must be something that we are all missing here. The The worst part is... I feel like I could kind of understand it, not justify it, but understand it if Gase were a new coach and he came in this season and stuff like that. He, I I believe, was responsible for drafting Drake and Drake last year excelled. Once Damian Williams went down, he was a workhorse and he did everything. I do not get this. He is a dynamic player. I don't understand. And I think, frankly, thinking about him as probably the player who lost the most value injury aside is exactly correct because you assume Frank Gore is probably going to be out next week I do not know the extent of his ankle injury but uh, I mean you probably have to assume and yet there's no way there's no way you're going to feel okay starting Kenyon Drake against the Jaguars right there's no way nope that's that's my point is just like you know that he would be the one that lost the most value I think Jamal Williams is the one that gained the most for me it's just it is so frustrating because like Drake was someone I actually threw in a tournament lineup thinking there'd be a lot of garbage time. He tends to get the negative game scripts. He's going to be involved in the passing game. Uh, the Vikings, you know, if there's one weak area of their game, they do allow some rushing touchdowns. They've allowed some rushing production as of late. And sure enough, that stuff does come. It just goes to Kalen Balazs. I, I, I'm, I'm lost here, man. Can't, yeah. I can't explain it. No, there really is no justification. Now, out of curiosity, I, I believe I saw now, again, as always, we record these on Sunday night while the late games are still going, actually. So I, I'm not sure if there's been any further word. I think I saw something that it's a sprained MCL for Jones. Is that true? Have you read anything? For who? Oh, for, for Aaron, Aaron, jo- oh, for Aaron yeah. Jones. Yeah, he said he believes he has a sprained MCL. So basically, you can drop him from your fantasy team. He's not yeah. playing next week. Yeah, I and I, by the way, I, what Tags just said about the fact that Williams is available, I, I was faced with that exact situation. I mean, I'm handcuffing a lot of the running backs that, mm-hmm. you know, are out there, which is what you need to be doing. And Williams was just one of the guys who I was like, you know, I, you know who do I think is more like? I don't know. I guess Rod Smith might have more value than Williams. And so I chose him over him. Uh, they do get the Jets next week, and that is a prime matchup. So I assume since Jones is almost assuredly going to be out, that Jamal Williams is going to be a rock-solid RB2 for you at least, right? Yeah, that's basically where I'm at. You know, the Jets have really struggled against the run as of late. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I know what I know what happened with the Texans this weekend, but that's I'm not buying a one game sample size. If you look at the entire season as a whole, the Jets have just struggled. So, yeah, I do believe that Jamal Williams, you know, he's going to get all the goal line opportunities. He is involved in the passing game a little bit. Uh, it's like a one back system, man. If you get 15 plus touches, you're a top 24 back in my mind. Yeah. And Williams did succeed today, did find the end zone. He had a pretty decent game, so he will certainly be on the radar, and I'm sure you and Bobby will talk about him both in your Start Sit podcast and in your Waiver Wire podcast. And with that, let us get into the actual game recaps. We got started off on the right foot here with the fantastic Chargers 29, Chiefs 28 game on Thursday night. Uh, I will call this forever the Williams Bowl. Since it was Damian Williams, 123 total yards and two touchdowns. Mike Williams, 95 total yards and three touchdowns. Let's not forget Darrell Williams, 32 total yards and a touchdown. And even Tyrell Williams, six catches for 71 yards. So there was a lot to dissect here, I think. So let's do uh, a couple of quick hitters. Let's start with the Chiefs. They have kind of a tough matchup in Seattle next week. That's really the reason why it is. The defense isn't that great, but in Seattle is always a tough place to play. Let's start with the running game. I'm going to ask you a two-part question. Number one, in light of Damian Williams' outstanding performance, if Spencer Ware does return for next week, how do you expect the KC backfield to shake out? And if Ware does not return, how high do you think Damian Williams ranks next week? I think it's going to be somewhat of the share they had before uh, where suffered his injury. I think you're going to see somewhat of like a 60-40 split. I think Damian Williams definitely earned more more trust moving forward, especially in the passing game, whereas like Spencer Ware was involved before going down. But they might ease him back into the lineup. You know what I mean? Like after missing the game, they might just say, you know, we're going to ease you back into the lineup. They might give him 10 to 12 touches and have Damian Williams get 10 to 12 touches as well. Mix in Daryl Williams and and have it be because it seems like the, the Chiefs are just looking to go forward with like a somewhat of a timeshare approach. And... You know, I, I want to be totally transparent here. I, I made the call on that before that game saying that I felt like Charkandrick West could be a factor and that, you know, there might be two running backs who are viable options in this backfield. And it just so happens that D- Daryl Williams is the one who scored the touchdown instead of Charkandrick West. He got the snaps that I thought West would get. Um, didn't get as many touches, but at the same time, the, the timeshare was right. The player, I guess, was wrong. Uh, but Damian Williams, man... Um, the Chargers, like, they were a letdown that game. Like, like the entire game, their de- their defenses look terrible. They- they've lost Denzel Perriman. They've lost Corey Legit. Uh, that-, that run defense has slowly trended in the wrong direction. And um, even with, you know, Tyreek Hill playing out there, Gimpy, with the Sammy Watkins out, I figured they'd do a better job containing Damian Williams, but... He is uh he's a must play. I, I mean, that's the thing is if Spencer wears back, he's probably going to be in that like high end RB three territory. But I still think that he's someone that you probably have to play against Seattle, who has they've been kind of struggling with running backs as of late. Like they're not like an elite run defense, but they're not one that you need to, they're, like they're not one you need to attack. They're not one you need to stay away from. So I just feel like it's not it's a mediocre matchup. But uh, but Damian Williams, knowing that he is somewhat game script proof, that's why I feel OK playing him next week. Yeah, if Ware does return, I do think it's probably roughly a 50-50 split. Remember, Ware looked good um, the week before, before Mm -hmm. he got injured. So, I mean, Williams had a fantastic game here, but it does not necessarily mean that he's going to take over the line, share the work if Ware does get back. So if you own Damian Williams, basically, you can just sit there and hope that Spencer Ware just takes a little extra time. Make sure you're healthy for getting into the playoffs before he comes back. Uh, I I don't want to spend much time on this, but this is two relatively mediocre fantasy performances from Patrick Mahomes. I I assume you don't have any major concerns. You're clearly starting him if you own him next week against Seattle, right? Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm not, um, yeah, you're starting him no matter what. (laughs) And that's the thing is like, it it really does think that Tyreek Hill had a short week to get ready on because he does have that, that heel injury or whatever is not having Sammy Watkins 
Kellen Benjamin is just like a giant tight end out there. And I expect Mahomes to just kind of sling the ball across his body and throw it up into one-on-one coverage. Like Mahomes, I've talked about that where he's just winning a lot of, a lot of passes that could go either way. They're just kind of going his way this year. And so we could see Kelvin Benjamin, unfortunately become somewhat of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you're starting Mahomes. I, I don't yeah. think you can get away from him. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't overanalyze it. And again, his poor games are like two touchdowns and 220 yards or whatever you get. So it's not anything to be overly concerned about or anything like that. On the other side of the ball, uh, Melvin Gordon, again, was out, but he looks like he's headed in the right direction. And there is optimism that he'll mm-hmm. play next week. Justin Jackson looks okay, does find the end zone, at least in his stead. Keenan Allen, as we talked about, left without a catch. Uh, he was diagnosed with a hip pointer. Uh, it doesn't necessarily sound like it'll keep him out next weekend against the Ravens. And if you own Allen and you survived your playoff matchup, you were a stud. Are you starting Mike Williams next week after this monster game? If Keenan Allen's out, yeah, I think so. I mean, even Seattle, they've, uh, or wait, LA, they're playing, who is it they're playing this week? The, the, the Ravens. Chargers, they're, they're playing, playing the Ravens, yeah. They're playing the Ravens. The Ravens, yeah, I mean, probably not. <laughs> Mike Williams against uh, the Ravens cornerbacks. I mean, we saw Mike Evans kind of do some work today, uh, but he saw a ton of targets. Like, I think he saw 12 targets in that game. Chris Godwin was shut out to nothing. And that's kind of like been the story against Baltimore this year. You don't really want to play receivers unless you know they're going to see like eight plus targets because those are receivers you kind of play in every matchup. I don't think we can guarantee Mike Williams for that. Um, Keenan Allen would have the best matchup on the field, but I don't know if he's going to play. So it's something that we'll talk about as the week goes on. But Melvin Gordon, even coming back, it's, it's like, Oh, Hey, welcome back, Melvin. Oh, now you're going to go play against the Ravens. Like that's, yeah. it's not a good matchup. So, you know, what's great is that we get all these weird questions of like, Oh, I don't really know if I want to dip into these waters right in your championship matchup where you have to make these decisions. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, Keenan Allen might play and he might be limited. Melvin Gordon's probably going to play, but you don't know how he's going to look. It's not a great matchup. It's tough. Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly encouraged by Mike Williams as anybody would be, but it just, you know, they didn't have them any other options, but I mean, eventually you just think coaches are going to be like, man, this guy really needs to get the ball more. Um, and they were creative. They had the nice run where he had a touchdown run, which I really liked. So he my looks guess is like Tyrell Williams just looks like crap. Like, I, I'm sorry. I watched the, I watched these games every single week and I watched Tyrell Williams and he's nothing special. Like legitimately, yep. he's a product of Philip Rivers. Mike Williams is a difference maker. Mike Williams yeah, I- is a grown man. Tyrell Williams looks like he looks like he's jogging. Frankly, when I was watching him go, I was like, he's very uh, stiff too, like right. his, in his movements. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but you know, all these guys are, of course, elite athletes, but he really does not look good. So I, I, I do think that Mike Williams is a guy who, you know, a la Derrick Henry, where we'll get there. I mean, a monster performance. You don't think a repeat is coming, but they certainly may have earned a starting role in your fantasy lineup. And I think he's probably going to be pretty borderline, and I'd feel relatively okay with starting him. Texans 29, Jets 22 last night, or as I like to call it, the perfect Dan Harris game. Sam Darnold looked more than competent, gave Mm -hmm. Jets fans a reason to be optimistic for the future while the Jets lose and keep their draft position. Win-win. For the Texans, as we said, Lamar Miller leaves the game with an ankle injury after just three carries. If you survived your fantasy matchup, starting both Keenan Allen and Lamar Miller, you should have a (laughs) t-shirt made. Um, Early reports are that he is going to be fine for next week against the Eagles, so if he is... You can go ahead and deploy him. DeAndre Hopkins, huge effort, 10 catches, 170 yards, and two touchdowns. And he did hurt his ankle on that last touchdown catch, but I think he was back out there on the last drive where the Texans were killing the clock. So as far as I know, that's not anything to be concerned about. But other than the possible injury concerns, I didn't really see much to take away here on the Texans side of the ball. Did you? Not really, outside of the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is is still oh, very very good at football. He is incredible. When they when I when as soon as any time I would just be like, wait, is is Mo Claiborne on him by himself? That that's just not 
not right. That's not what you want to be doing. He he's really just an incredible football player, and mm-hmm. I do think that uh, you know it looked bad when he first happened. He had to be kind of helped off, but he looked like he was okay on the other side of the ball. Look with Isaiah Crowell on IR, Elijah McGuire. Leads the way with 21 touches, 71 yards, and a score, which he was basically carried into the end zone by his offensive line. He overcomes an early fumble. Uh, It was a tough matchup against the Texans. It's not a great matchup against the Packers next week, although it's better since Mike Daniels went on IR. Are you confident in starting McGuire as an RB2 in your championship week next week against the Packers? I don't think he's a bad play. He's going he's gonna to be a better play than he was this week. I mean, the process this week, I mean, if you had Maguire as anything more than like a middling RB3, I think your process was wrong because Houston's been a really tough team against. I mean, and, and if Elijah Maguire doesn't score, if he doesn't get that touchdown, this game looks like a major flop and nobody's even talking about him next week. So I, I always knew it was going to be a tough matchup. The, the Packers is a much easier matchup. But the question is, you know, does, what does game script do? Because Trenton Cannon uh, was involved in a lot more passing down work than I think I, I even I expected because Trenton Cannon is just a guy. And I figured they'd want to see what they have in McGuire giving him a workhorse role. Instead, they kind of put him in that Crowell role and then like had Trenton Cannon in the Elijah McGuire role. So I don't know. The coaching here is going to look a lot different next year. Sam Darnold, I want to ask you a question, though. This is more dynasty related. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are involved in dynasty leagues, but Sam Darnold, did you need a game like this to, to convince you that Sam Darnold was capable? I mean, like to me hearing people saying, Oh, now the future looks bright for jets fans. I think that Sam Darnold's flashed a little bit at times. Like there's times where he looks really good. There's times he looks really bad. He looks like a rookie quarterback that was thrown in after like literally no time. Like Josh McCown did not start a single game until he got hurt. So it's like he was thrown right into the fire behind a bad offensive line with little receiving options. It was just a bad situation. But did you need a game like this to feel good about Sam Darnold? Personally, no, not at all. I have never wavered uh, this season in feeling completely optimistic about the Jets' future Uh, with him. uh, Look, you need a new coaching staff. He has no weapon. He has no weapons whatsoever. Mm -hmm. He really is just, you know, going out there with you know a poor offensive scheme with few weapons. Uh, You know, I was willing to basically say I'm not confident. Like, I'm not a hundred percent confident, basically, that he is going to be, you know, one of you know a top five QB or anything like that. But I certainly thought that we have found our franchise quarterback, Uh, and I. I think that this game at least helps casual fans kind of realize that. So about, I am glad about that. But, one more you know, question, though, for you. Yeah, so you're the Jets guy. I want to ask you these questions. Uh, Robbie Anderson, do you feel comfortable with him? So he's probably going to match up with J.R. Alexander next week, which is it's a brutal matchup. It's not a good one. Do you think that Robbie Anderson's playable next week? Um, So I, I think he is borderline playable as probably uh, look uh, you know i'm gonna pour over kind of my rankings this week don't hold me to it he you know it, back but it also might depend on whether or not quincy and is out again mm-hmm. you know if they, if he is then there just basically aren't reliable any options there i mean he saw 11 targets right. and i think he's you know now seen 25 targets over his last three games if he's gonna get that volume then yeah, I think he's probably. So I don't want to start him, right. you know, if I can help it. But as a borderline guy, if I'm in a pinch, then I think that it's. I would probably reluctantly throw him out there. I'm not a huge fan of his talent. He's really just a deep threat. But at this point, there's just not much available in the receiving game, and they're they're letting Darnold, you know, loose a little bit more than they otherwise would be. So I, I would say borderline. But I'm certainly I'm not confident just because he had seven for 96 right. in the score in this game. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, it does definitely. All right, Broncos 17, uh, Browns 17, pardon me, <laughs> Broncos 16, or as I like to call it, the game of weird field goal decisions. Uh, tags for the Browns, six Browns caught passes. Each of the six finished between 25 and 37 yards receiving. 
that's just weird, and I mm-hmm. wanted to point it out. Um, Mayfield throws for 188 yards and two touchdowns with a pick. Nick Chubb runs for exactly 100 yards but zero in the passing game. Jarvis Landry disappoints with just three receptions for 37 yards. Uh, look, it's a great matchup against the Bengals next week, right? It's a great matchup. Who do you feel confident on the Browns starting next week? Ooh, uh, Nick Chubb. And that's it, right? That's where it ends. The confident, quote unquote, <laughs> I ends, mean, right? I don't. I, I'm not like opposed to playing Baker, because um, the thing is, is like it is a good matchup for everybody involved. I mean, the Bengals, their opponents average. Uh, it's I think it's still over 70 plays per game, so that's always appealing uh, when you're talking about streaming options, because there's gonna be plenty of opportunity to go around. Nick Chubb, yeah, he's going to get 20 plus carries in that game. That's just gonna happen, and it, he's going to go off. That's just going to happen. Um, Baker. The thing is, is like you want to play Baker because it's just like taking instead of trying to pick which individual pancake, as my friend Rummy Rumford Johnny says, instead of taking an individual pancake, you just take the syrup that goes over the top because you don't have to guess which options he's throwing to. You don't care if it goes to Landry, to Callaway, to Higgins, to Njoku. Doesn't matter. As long as he's throwing touchdowns, you don't care. And uh, the the Bengals. I am not confident in that defense at all. Um, this is just a weird offense to predict week over week. So there's nobody in the passing game that I can confidently say, yes, they're going to be a you know a top 12 or top 24 or top 36 option at their position. But I can say that Baker, you know, before doing my rankings and actually going through the research of it, I would say that he's probably going to be ranked as a top 15 quarterback play. Yeah, I think that's right around where I'm going to have him. I can see him being basically 14 or 15. I think for the most part, he's not a starter in 12-team leagues. And I think, frankly, they probably won't have much difficulty with the Bengals. So, you know, he's looked great, but it doesn't always translate into fantasy performance. And I could see that week 16 being that for him, right? He's going to look uber efficient. He's going to have a high completion percentage. But in the end, he's not going to be a fantasy stud or anything like that. It could be a 220-yard game, one or two touchdowns. And, you know, it is what it is. Right. And there's always the upside for more, but it's something where I feel like for the most part, I think that owners are probably going to have somebody better than him to start. Uh, For the Broncos, if you started a Bronco on your fantasy (sighs) team, you are not happy. Uh, Let's talk Philip Lindsay here for a second. He was saved by his touchdown last week, but he's now got 95 yards total over his last two games. Look, they get the Raiders next week. I assume if you own Lindsay and you survived that you were going to start him, right? Yeah, you're going to go back to him. The thing is, the, so the, the matchups that he had, Cleveland wasn't uh, a bad matchup at all. Like, I figured he'd bounce back because San Francisco is a tougher matchup than people think they are. They've been a, a pretty decent run defense all year. Um, but Cleveland, I mean, going into that game, like, they had allowed a ton uh, to opposing run games, like, and it made no sense. It seemed like Lindsay should have been an RB one. Uh, there's little reason, like, there's just little excuse I have for him in this game. Um, but I, I guess everybody's entitled to a bad game. Eventually, the offensive line, the injuries that they've had on it, were going to catch up. So. I just don't know why it happened now, <laughs> you know, during the fantasy playoffs. Like, it, it just really sucks to see it. But against the Raiders, yeah, it's it's impossible to to bench a running back who's getting, you know, 15-plus touches every single week against the Raiders. I mean, you saw what Joe Mixon did today. He's behind a, a, a very poor offensive line without a quarterback, and he was able to get it done. So I think Philip Lindsay, yes, if you did make it through, he is going to be in your lineup next week. 100% agree. If you're listening and you're, you made it to your championship, or even if you're in a third-place game, bottom line is, have a short memory at this yep. point. You know, do, do not get bogged down with somebody, even if they cost you a win, essentially. Uh, he's certainly a start, and uh, I'm I'm sure he's going to have a better game next week than either of his last two games. Um, in their receiving game, I mean, are you starting nope. any Bronco wide receiver? Not if I can help it. Um, yeah. I mean, against the Raiders, like the thing is, we've talked about that on the podcast, is nobody really kind of realizes the Raiders have been 
really good against wide receivers this year. Um, and it's not really good in, in terms of like, oh my God, their, their cornerbacks are just amazing and you, you, you just want to avoid them in coverage. It's just that teams haven't had to pass a whole bunch. And when you think about Case Keenum, I mean, we saw what happened when Case Keenum throws the ball 48 times this past week. Like, 257 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, losing Demarius Thomas, losing Emmanuel Sanders. This team, the, the passing game has fallen apart. They need to lean on the run game. That's what they're going to do. Um, it's on the road. It's on a Monday night, I think that game is, which that's awesome. No, in other words, no fantasy matchups are going to be determined by the Monday night game. Um, but yeah, they, they've been a pretty good matchup. Like the ceiling against them, there's only been, I think it's just one wide receiver all year who has scored more than like 17 or I think two now, two wide receivers who have scored more than 17 PPR points against them all year. So the ceiling's not high and the risk you're taking by even trying to reach a limited ceiling, it's just not worth it. So even Cortland Sutton is probably going to wind up in like wide receiver four territory for me this week. Yeah. And he was the least productive of the three you know, mm-hmm. wide receivers, Tim Patrick, 65 yards, uh, Deshaun Hamilton, 46 yards, Sutton, 42. So it was certainly a disappointing effort. And uh, I'm inclined to agree. I would avoid all of them if I possibly could next week against the Raiders. Coming to today's game, the Falcons, 40, the Cardinals, 14. We mentioned last week that the Falcons had lost five straight games and they hadn't scored more than 20 points in any of those games. You kindly refer to their offense as, quote, out of sorts. I rudely refer to their offense as, quote, totally stinky. <laughs> but things looked uh, a little better today. Matt Ryan throws for 231 yards and two touchdowns and runs for one as well in what is usually a tough matchup for quarterbacks. Tevin Coleman takes advantage of the good matchup, returns from the dead, rumbles for 145 yards and a touchdown. Julio Jones finds the end zone, 82 yards. Any takeaways here from the Falcon side of the ball? Well, I mean, if Matt Ryan doesn't run for that, if he doesn't get that rushing touchdown, it looks like a pretty standard game against the Cardinals because like coming into this week, they had not allowed a quarterback to finish better than the QB 10 against them. And obviously with his rushing touchdown, he's Matt Ryan's going to finish inside the top 10. So it's the first time all year. So, you know, I think if you sat him this week, I wouldn't be too mad about that. It's just, you know, things happen as they must. And like, you can't predict a Matt Ryan rushing touchdown. Just can't do it. Um, I'm not kidding. I would, I would have been happy with the 231 and two touchdowns, like, uh, you know, without the rushing correct. touchdown. If he, if I knew coming in that he was going to give me that, I would have been like, okay, good. Yes. Fine. That's yeah, it's like I'll a QB 15 performance. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, the, the, the big takeaway here for me is like the Tevin Coleman thing, because like going into this week, I, I felt like I wanted to get this matchup right. And, you know, between Tevin Coleman and Ido Smith. So over the last two weeks coming into this game, Ido Smith had outtouched Tevin Coleman in back to back weeks. So it was like, is there a changing of the guard? Are they moving on from Tevin Coleman? And even in this game, Tevin Coleman only touched the ball 11 times. So it's not like, you know, he got massive touch totals. Ido Smith had exactly 11 touches. So he did split it. And I was like, you know, I, I, I can, it can go either way here, but the matchup was a really good one. And so to see Tevin Coleman go for 145 and a touchdown, he actually also had another long touchdown run that was called back due to um I think it was a hit on a defenseless uh defender is what they called it so yeah it could have been an even bigger day for Tevin Coleman the matchup was great um so I don't do you feel great though like going into next week playing him I I I don't know if I could confidently say that I would want to play Tevin Coleman against the Panthers who are pretty good against the run I think he's still going to be in like maybe even low-end RB3 territory considering he's in a a 50-50 timeshare right now yeah, now I did see that Ito Smith might have left this game at some point with a knee injury. I don't know if he came back. Uh, you know, he was questionable coming in with it. I, again, don't don't quote me on that. I just saw something pop up. Um, yeah, I mean, on the road, you know, in Carolina, I, I, I would not at all be excited about Tevin Coleman. And my guess is that you have uh, this is a great matchup. This is what you want um, for any running back mm-hmm. against the Cardinals. 
Um, so I certainly would not be over the moon about starting him. But yeah, I would say RB3 territory, probably probably lower end. I think I agree with you there. Um, again, I'll, I'll do my rankings this week and things can change. Don't hold me to that. But that's about where I don't think this certainly moves the needle that much um, for the remaining game. On the other side of the ball, it's pretty ugly. David Johnson, you know, look, if you're a pass catching running back, uh, you know, this is where you want to go. He only David Johnson only catches three passes, but he does end up with 101 total yards and a score. Larry Fitzgerald. Seven catches for 82 yards, uh, and in a week where rookie QBs from this year's class looked very good, Josh Rosen looks terrible. He was replaced by Mike Lennon. Is there anything that you really want to talk about here? Think about that for a second. Josh Rosen was benched for Mike friggin' Glennon. (laughs) I I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe we should be asking the reverse. If you had a Cardinals fan hosting this podcast, you could say, did you really need this to not have optimism about Josh Rosen going forward? (laughs) I mean, mean, uh, out of curiosity, I mean, do you expect him to eventually turn into a workable QB? I have my concerns considering the offense uh, in terms like the coach. So the Steve Wilkes is, he's on board. They're not going to get rid of him after one year or anything like that. I think he has at least one more year, which is going to stunt the growth for Rosen. I just don't think, I think you need a coach to come in and like someone with a, with a young quarterback, you need an experienced like offensive coordinator. And I know Byron Lefwich came in on very short notice. He had never been a coordinator. It was really tough on him. Josh Rosen, he was thrown into a fire. He's playing behind a bad offensive line. He's got limited receiving options. But overall, he hasn't looked great either. He's like he, like his his awareness in the pocket is terrible. Um, he's throwing passes that he shouldn't be throwing. He took six sacks today, which, I mean, he has been throwing up balls that he may he shouldn't. Like, he should take a sack or throw it away sometimes. But it's just like there's so many things that he's doing wrong that it's overshadowing the things that he's doing right. And um, I feel better about Darnold. Uh, if, if I'm being completely honest, like if, if you were to ask me which quarterback would I want to go forward with, like as the head of a franchise, I would say Darnold would be my option over Rosen. Uh, Rosen just he looks like a, a pocket passer in a game that you need to have some mobility, especially as a young quarterback while you're going through the, like the rough times in your career because you have to have something to fall back on. Uh, Mike Glennon's terrible. I have no idea. But he walks in and he throws 10 for 14 passes, 111 yards and a touchdown, something that Josh Rosen hasn't been able to do all year like. David Johnson's stuck in purgatory. Um, I, I, I really, I, I question this all the time. You know, I'm not a professional athlete, but if I was, like, think about this for a second. Would you be mad if you were David Johnson that you signed the contract extension with the Cardinals? Or is it just like, well, you know, I got paid and that's what I wanted. I wanted the guaranteed money. And I don't blame him, you know, like as a running back, you know, one injury and they're going to throw you away. So, yeah, do you think- I mean, I think if you're if you're Le'Veon Bell, you'd probably be happy. Right. Uh, and if you're someone like David Johnson, you're probably not. Um, you know, I think these guys want to win as much as anything yeah, else. That's, that that yeah. team right now looks like a disaster. I, I agree. And and in terms of the outlook on Rosen, I totally agree. I, I like to give rookie QBs overall as much of a pass as Correct. I possibly can, yes. right? I like to. But certainly, if you're talking about, you know, and I, I, I do watch the Jets closely, but for me, it's it's Baker and it's Darnold. And, and that was really what I was looking at. I mean, Josh Allen, you know, is doing things with his legs, but, you know, we'll, we'll see about him. And he missed a lot of the season. But Rosen has looked highly unimpressive so far mm-hmm. i'm not ready to to draw a conclusion on what his career is going to be like but right now yeah i would be certainly more pessimistic than i was at the start of the season without a doubt from watching what he's done yeah uh bills 14 lines 13 uh Ugh. both lashawn mccoy we, we will blow through this one pretty yeah. quickly i promise both lashawn mccoy and chris ivory are down for this one so it's marcus murphy who gets to start before leaving with an arm injury <laughs> keith, ford. keith ford <laughs> the 14 carries um he got hurt you know, too I know. I I don't know what you want. You know, really. I, let me ask you very briefly, since we I, I usually blow through the bills pretty quickly. Robert Foster, 
the guy with at least 94 yards in four of his last five games and scored a touchdown today. We talk all the time about these third receivers. The Bills will need to throw a ton against the Patriots. It's your fantasy championship. Are any owners, should any owners really, be relying on Robert Foster? No, I would not. I mean, he's a perimeter wide receiver against the Patriots who are going to have Stephon Gilmore and Jason McCourty out there. Um, That's not a good matchup. Zay Jones has the best matchup on the field, but he hasn't done anything over the last two weeks in plus matchups. So you can't trust anybody in this passing game. If there's anybody that you want to trust is Josh Allen. Uh, The Patriots are a man coverage team. They're going to drop back in coverage. Uh, You know, I think the fact that it's going to be a negative game script, especially with New England just coming off a loss because they lost while we've been recording. Um, you know, they're coming off back-to-back losses. They need to get back in the win column. I, I just feel like this is a, I think the game script actually helps someone like Josh Allen, where it's like, he's going to drop back to pass in an obvious game in a passing, you know, passing situation. And he could take off running from there because the defense isn't going to load the box against, you know, a, a pass heavy formation. So I, I think Josh Allen's the only one that I think you'd even consider, even if they have a running back active among LaShawn McCoy or Chris Ivory, I don't think I necessarily want to play them. Um, this is just a bad team. This is the correct take for everybody listening out there. If you are desperate, you can start Josh Allen because he will run no matter what, especially in a in a good system like you're looking at uh, in a matchup next week where the Patriots do play a lot of men. This, you know, wasn't uh, a perfect matchup for him, and he still ran for a touchdown, even though he didn't gain a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of the ball, Zach Zenner, if you had the stomach to rely on Zach Zenner, congratulations. You were rewarded with 10 carries for 45 mm-hmm. yards and a touchdown. Kenny Galladay finally breaks back out. Eight uh, cat. Eight targets, seven catches, 146 yards. Uh, I'm not sure if Tredavious White was shadowing him. I didn't watch it that closely. Um, he wasn't he, really like I don't, he wasn't the, the entire time. No. Um, yeah. But the thing is, is like the targets, even when he was in coverage, like Galladay, like the catches he had, there were there were some good ones. I talked a lot about Galladay on the stream today, um, saying that I thought I, I thought everyone should have played him as like a low end wide receiver, two high end three, just because with you know with Bruce Ellington out. Um, with no run game, essentially, um, I just felt like the targets were going to be enough to carry him through. And even though he only has eight targets, I thought he would have like 10 plus. I thought he was a lock for 10 targets this game. Um, the production was there. And uh, Kenny Galladay, a lot of it was on him, honestly. Like there were a couple of catches where he went, he just skied over the defender and just snagged the ball. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a player, man. He's a man. He's 40. Uh, yeah, he's really <laughs> – sorry. <laughs> Sometimes it just pops in my head and whatever comes out, comes out. Um, yeah, and frankly, Tredavious White, it's been a little leaky lately. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't that great against the Jets uh, the week prior, uh-huh. so he's not exactly uh, for, you know, to the extent you're you're looking at next week um, and you're worrying about the Patriots, not that you would, you know, bench Gordon or anything like that, but um, it's, it's not a matchup that you need to run away from. Bears 24, Packers 17. So the Bears wrap up the NFC North title tags. As everyone knows, you and I are like super, super best friends. I, I don't really see a whole lot to discuss here from a fantasy perspective, but in light <laughs> of the big win, I'm going to free you up to do whatever you want to do with the Bears. You can go ahead and talk. For, I'll give you one minute. Go ahead and talk <laughs> about whatever you want to talk about with the Bears fantasy or not, whatever you want. Well, congrats, uh, Chicago Bears. I mean, to know that like the analysts out there, there's so many people in the national media that have uh, they put the Bears as the third or fourth option in the division to know that they locked this up and in week 15 kudos to them and that defense uh mitch trubisky's final line looks good he didn't play particularly well um you know again stat lines can be deceiving and he he locked onto his first read a lot and if there's a good defense they're gonna they're gonna start picking him off so that's gotta be fixed jordan howard looked good for the second straight week i think he i mean again his stat line doesn't look great 19 carries 60 yards and a touchdown but he's showing a little bit more patience behind the line of scrimmage the offensive line is creating more space and he's shown a little bit of wiggle so i don't know if it's just like late in the season he's got more juice in his legs than he typically does at this time of the year the cold weather is going to start affecting defenses differently than it's going to affect the offense um 
there's not much to take away here. It's kind of like, you know, talking about the Browns offense where it's like, you know, you play Baker Mayfield and you really don't know who to play outside of that. I think you're at that point with the Bears offense too, where, you know, Allen Robinson's been targeted quite a bit recently, but he's been dealing with a hip issue. He typically sees the top cornerback on the other team. Anthony Miller has not been involved at all. He's definitely droppable. Um, even though he has a good matchup next week against the 49ers, Adam Shaheen's getting involved. Trey Burton finally finds the end zone again. You know, Taylor Gabriel's getting some targets, but it's just there's so many pieces here. From a fantasy perspective, Mitch Trubisky is going to be a high floor option. I think it's against the 49ers next week, I will have him as a top 12 play. I feel like that's a matchup where he the, the Bears will exploit that matchup through the air. Uh, and on the Packers side, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he was off today. He was completely off his game. The Bears, there were opportunities for him to throw touchdowns in this game, kind of like I thought there would be. Kyle Fuller was beat multiple times. Prince of Mucamara got beat a couple times. And uh, Rodgers just missed his guys deep. Valdez Scantling, he missed him on a deep one. He overthrew Randall Cobb twice. Uh, Devontae Adams just missed on another one. It, w- it was just a bad game for Aaron Rodgers. And that's, I mean, that's all we can say about it. And that Jamal Williams is going to be a starter next week. Like, you play him as a top 24 option against the Jets. And that's about it. I mean, the one other question I have for you, Dan, would you play Randall Cobb next week against the Jets? I mean, look, if his name wasn't Randall Cobb, probably. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing. Of course. I mean, if you want to play a slot receiver against the Jets, I mean, Buster Screen is scary, but only for Jets fans. You know, it's, it's not somebody who I think that you should be worried about. I probably would not will not be recommending Randall Cobb necessarily as a start, but if you're in a pinch and you absolutely have to, it's it's something that it, you know you could do. I will ask though, what I mean, are you starting Aaron Rodgers? I realize it's a good matchup, but I mean the guy has not justified really QB one status pretty much all year. Are you still going to the well with him in your championship matchup? Yeah, knowing that you know they can't give Jamal Williams thirty carries. Um, I, I do think that it, I mean if you somehow made it through this week with Aaron Rodgers, I know a lot of people talked about streaming other quarterbacks, and if you streamed it, uh, Dak Prescott over him, you're just as mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like there's there's quarterbacks like Lamar Miller. He he finished fine. I think he I, at the end when the week's said and done, I think Lamar Miller or Lamar Jackson's going to be like the QB twelve right? That territory. You know, what's crazy about that, Dan, is that Lamar Jackson has finished in between the QB 11 and QB 15 in every single one of his five starts. So it's like, he's not giving you a ceiling, but he's not also not losing you a week either. He's like the ideal streamer. So there's going to be plenty of questions about Rogers after that game, but the jets don't bring a pass rush. I, I just feel like Rogers is going to have plenty of time here. I, He's going to be ranked as a top 10 quarterback in my rankings. I know that. Yes, so. that, that's the bottom line, yeah. right? I own Rodgers in the league. I somehow have survived to the championship matchup. I'm still going to start him. I won't feel good about it. Um, And, you know, I will rethink ever, you know, sitting there, even when he drops to like the sixth round and being like, oh, fine, I'll take him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's really just it's been a pretty terrible year for him overall. And it, things have not gotten better since Mike McCarthy left, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're starting him. It's a great matchup. Um, and I, I think if you've made it with him on your team, you might as well go to the well one more time. Uh, Bengals 30, Raiders 16. Tyler Boyd does leave this one with a knee injury. He has already basically either tweeted out or said that he thinks he's fine. Um, so he does not get on the it's not your fault list because he does at least give his mm-hmm. owners uh, a touchdown. Um, Joe Mixon, as you mentioned, winning fantasy owners some championships, takes advantage of the great matchup against the Raiders with 27 carries for 129 yards 
and two touchdowns. CJ Uzama disappoints in what's pretty much the best matchup for an opposing tight end. He does see five targets, but just one catch for 27 yards. Any takeaways for the Bengals? Uzama is pretty much unusable. I mean, if you get five targets against the Raiders, you should have at least put up a double-digit fantasy day. <laughs> I mean, Jeff Driscoll's been worse than I think any of us anticipated. Um, Joe Mixon gets a lot of carries, but again, I, I still don't like how they use him. I mean, I understand that you walk away from this game as a Mixon owner and you're happy, but in the end, his four targets, two catches, one yard. They're they're not doing any design pass plays to him. They're having him run up the gut, which he's he's just he's not an in between the tackles runner. He's not someone that's going to break tackles. I said this like every week, and it's just getting old. And uh, I had this conversation with my brother in law today about you know like the the Marvin Lewis era has to come to an end and like to know how long he's coached this team and to know that they have no playoff win and to know that he has no clue on how to run this team. Like, how does he still have a job? And on top of that, and then he's just like, well, you know what they're going to do. They're just going to fire Lewis and bring out, they're just going to promote Hugh Jackson. I would quit Joe Mixon shares in dynasty. If that happened, <laughs> uh, I mean, I can't imagine. We've joked about this before, frankly, because there was a report that they could be considering that. I mean, you just you cannot do this to Bengals fans, okay? Uh-uh. I mean, really, it's just they've suffered enough. Uh, you know, look. Bottom line is, whatever they're doing with him, Mixon has produced substantially in several straight weeks. Um, I, you know, it'd be nice. Uh, he's been involved more involved in the passing game. Um, in recent weeks other than this week. But I agree, they do not, certainly do not utilize him to his full potential. Um, and I hope that a future coaching staff, which I hope begins next season, um, is able to do so effectively. In the meantime, he is, of course, a must-play next week uh, at the Browns in your fantasy championship. On the other side of the ball, the Raiders look, you know, behind the decimated offensive line. Doug Martin finally disappoints. <laughs> 39 yards on nine carries. Do you want to talk about anybody on the Raiders? And if so, who? No, I don't. I um, Doug Martin is disappointing. I, I don't know what else to say. I started him over someone in, in my home league. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> but I did start him this week thinking that he would be at least a high floor option. And that didn't really work out. So, But uh, no. I mean, Derek Carr is someone that I, I, I've said all along. You can't rely on him week in, week out. A 263-yard, one-touchdown performance against Cincinnati. I, I, don't, I don't want to say it's a bad performance, but I just... I don't want to. I, I seriously, I don't want to play anybody on this fantasy on this team. No, I completely agree. Look, that the Raiders are much worse offensively on the road than they are at home. That's fair. They're home next week, but it's against the Broncos. I no, you're not. Do no, just <laughs> stay away from the Raiders. Be be live a live a less stressful life. Colts twenty three, Cowboys zero. I mean football man look dallas is outstanding against opposing running backs and if they're vulnerable in any way to them it's against pass catcher so of course marlon mack rushes for 127 yards and two scores does not get involved in the passing game he is a rock solid start against the giants next week correct i yeah i had someone in my mentions actually right after these games ended and saying that he he sat marlon mack for uh, i can't remember even who it was but it was a running back that was like a consensus top 20 running back and he's like oh i knew i should have went with my gut I'm like, well, how does your gut lead to tell you that you should start a running back against a defense that like, so like coming into this week, the Cowboys had not allowed an opposing team of running backs, like a team of running backs, not an individual one. Marlon Mack is part of a, like a 60, 40 timeshare, maybe even 55, 45. And a team of running backs had not totaled more than 68 yards in the last five weeks against Dallas. They had scored one rushing touchdown the entire time. The process would have been wrong. Again, I, I keep going back to this. It's like, understand the process will be greater than the result in the long run because we have to trust that. But Marlon Mack today looked fantastic. He overcame the tough matchup. Ezekiel Elliott, he outplayed him. 
Uh, Marlon Mack outplayed Ezekiel Elliott, and Ezekiel Elliott also had a tough matchup against Indianapolis, who, by the way, still has not allowed a 100-yard rusher the entire season, which is just nuts because nobody expected that out of them this year. Um, but Marlon Mack, man, I mean, I to be honest, I benched him in one of my leagues. I had I have him in a few, and I played him in some, and I, I benched him in one, and I'm mad I did, but... Against the Giants next week, you plug him into lineups. He's a must-play. The Giants have been terrible. Like, they lost Landon Collins. They, they traded away Damon Harrison. That that run defense has been terrible. Ogletree got ran over by Marcus Mariota today. It was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, with that, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tom. No, it was just, it was funny. I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but Marcus Mariota threw a block on Ogletree and literally knocked him on his butt. No, no, I didn't see that game. I tried to avoid it if it was uh, at all possible <laughs> as one of my few that I could actually be sitting there and watching the whole time. On the other side of the ball, I mean, you, you mentioned a little bit of it. Your two leading receivers for the Cowboys are, of course, Blake Jarwin and Cole Beasley. And it was for 45 and 42 yards, mm-hmm. respectively. I, I, look, I, what happened here? And are there any takeaways that we can gain from it? Uh, so the Colts had been a tougher matchup for wide receivers as of late. So the biggest takeaway for me is not necessarily Amari Cooper. I mean, he had seven targets, so I'm not really concerned. Every now and then a wide receiver is going to have a down week. It's just going to happen. Um, but the more concern, I have concerns about Michael Gallup. Like, what happened to him? Because he was someone that we talked about in the podcast this week, and I had no idea that his air yards have been pretty much in line with Amari Cooper's over the last month. He just hasn't caught some of those deeper targets. So if he were to connect on those, it was like, okay, he could make for you know a great tournament play in DFS. Uh, he, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't even see a single target in this game. That's worrisome. Like, obviously, you, you didn't want to trust him in, in season-long leagues, but now he's, like, completely off the radar where you definitely can't trust him. But going into the last matchup this year, I, I, I'm i not going to run away from Cowboys players. I, I've been saying that they've had uh, a good playoff schedule. And then wrapping up the season uh, against the, the Bucks this week, they're going to be back at home. I think they need to bounce back. This is, they can clinch the division, I want to say, once again next week if they win that game. So... I do believe they bounce back. I think you put Amari Cooper back in your lineup. You don't worry about it. Ezekiel Elliott. It's just the regular starters. You don't think that Blake Jarwin or Cole Beasley is going to lead the team in receiving again. And I think Dak Prescott is going to make for a solid streamer. I think he's going to be ranked as like a low-end QB1, high-end QB2 for me. Yeah, I'm throwing this entire game out. I don't care about what happened in it whatsoever from the Cowboys side of the ball. I really am. I think it was, you know, a letdown game uh, after last week's big win. Um, the Colts are a tougher matchup than you would think. And I think they just kind of look past it. I, I really just kind of felt like it was just one of these things where you come off this huge divisional win mm-hmm. like they did. And then they just kind of, they didn't have anything left. So, uh, for me, I would legitimately throw it all out. They have a great matchup against the Bucks, So I would go back to the well with anybody who you were thinking you would go to the well before this game. Vikings 41, Dolphins 17. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff that you can look at here for the Vikings. Dalvin Cook looked like a league winner. Uh, 19 carries, 136 yards, and two touchdowns. Let's briefly talk about the receivers here. Stephon Diggs finds the end zone, but just four catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown. But Adam Thielen, two targets, both catches, 19 yards. He's got one 100-yard receiving game in his last six games. He's been held under 30 yards in three of those. Look, it sounds crazy. You're not benching either of these guys against the Lions next week, are you? No. Um, and, you know, Stephon Diggs is going to have the tougher matchup with Darius Slay. But um, Adam Thielen had a good matchup in the slot this week, though, too. So it's really tough to say, like, what happened here. Uh, this is a game that I did not watch much of, to be honest with you. There were so many noon games today that it was difficult for me to keep an eye on so many of them. Uh, but I figured this was game was going to be a blowout and I didn't need to watch too much. I did see some of it. Uh, Dalvin Cook's touchdown run uh, towards the end of that game was ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, it, it was a highlight reel run. It was fantastic. But uh, I think we saw more of a timeshare, though, like in a game that had a positive game script for them. We saw Latavius Murray total 15 carries to Dalvin Cook's 19. So 
it could be more of a timeshare than we all anticipated, um, you know, with the new offensive coordinator there after they fired John Filippo. So it's something definitely to watch. I, I, I don't we can't really watch it much because we only have one game. So, I mean, Delvin Cook is the lead guy there, but how much you can actually trust him? I don't think I'm going to put him in RB1 territory, especially against the Lions, who have been really, actually really good against the run ever since they got Damon Harrison from uh, the Giants, who I talked about earlier. So, <sighs> Stefan Diggs, matchup against Darius Slay, he's going to be like a, a risky wide receiver too next week. He hasn't seen a lot of targets this year, but, but Thielen, is there a player who went from like someone who was a must play and was on pace for over 200 targets over like 150 receptions? Like the numbers were ridiculous over the first, you know, what was it? Nine games of the year. And like, he's just kind of fallen flat on his face and I cannot describe it. I know Kirk Cousins has been rather abysmal. Uh, he looks terrible at times. They, the, their pass attempts have come down, which has lowered obviously the volume, but to see him get two targets in this game, I, this is one I can't wait to go back and see what happened because maybe, maybe Thielen was a little messed up from like getting injured at the end of the Seahawks game last week. That's the only thing that I could come up with, but as far as I can see, his snap counts were there. So I have no answer for this one, man. Yeah, nor do I. I mean, the only thing I'm going to, you know, again, he has been a little bit disappointing. They control this game from the outset. This game was never remotely close to being in doubt, which is why, but personally, um, I'm not at all concerned with Murray's uh, carries. Um, and I could be the change in offensive coordinator. But for me, I think it's so beyond clear that Delvin Cook is the guy that you need to go to when you need to win the game. And I really think they were just so far ahead that they were willing to give Murray more work than they otherwise would be. Um, against the Lions, as you mentioned, it is not a great matchup for running backs, but I think Cook for me will probably be a little higher than he will be for you. I think I'll probably have him as roughly, you know, a low end RB1 because I'm just in love with the talent. Um, on the other side of the ball, we already talked about Kenyon Drake and how we are mm. pulling our hair out. Is there anything else that you want no, to No, I mean, I guess the Jaguars, I mean, the defense there, are they, have they like literally lost it? like lost everything. I mean, like in terms of their, their swag, their mojo. Yeah, they have, but are they, are they a bottom 10 defense that you attack? No, they're not. So I, I still think it's, it's a, a bottom 10 matchup in the NFL in terms for fantasy players. Kenny Stills, you saw his fantasy floor again today, even with Ryan Tannehill, um, Devontae Parker, no catches. You can't feel confident in, in Kalen Balaj. It could be a Kenyon Drake situation where Drake pops off next week. I, I don't know. Uh, but the Jags haven't been a, a matchup to attack again with running backs. So I don't want to play anybody from that team in week 16. And that's me being completely honest. Like I would rather attach myself to someone to a high scoring offense and just hope that they have a chance of carrying my team to a fantasy victory rather than getting, you know, Oh, let's hope this guy gets five catches for 65 yards or something like that. Yeah. The only chance is if with the gore injury, Kenyon Drake had kind of gotten all the work and showed that he could, he would be the only guy who I would have been kind of remotely excited to start mm -hmm. from this team next week. There is nobody. Avoid the Dolphins entirely next week. And if you get burned by, you know, a huge Kenny Stills game or Kenny, even if Kenny Drake finally has that game, it doesn't matter, man. You know, it, there's no way you could rely on him. So avoid all Dolphins next week, um, at least for it sounds like for both of us uh titan 17 giants nothing in the first of our two monsoon games um the weather was horrific in this game and the bucks Ra uh ravens game so I, for me I'm, I'm trying not to take too much out of it but let's you know of course talk about derrick henry total beast again 33 carries 170 yards and two touchdowns it is safe to say after the last two weeks that he has earned your trust as a must start option next week against the Redskins, right? Yeah, he kind of has to be right now. Uh, over the first 
uh, 12 games. He totaled 128 carries, 474 yards, and five touchdowns. Over the last two weeks, we have 408 yards and six touchdowns. Like, he's on a terror. And they gave him a career-high 33 carries this game. And I understand the weather kind of called for it. And, like, when you could see rain coming down on your TV, you know it's got to be coming down in person. So this game, it kind of fit his role. um, But he is clearly running head and shoulders above Deion Lewis, no pun intended. Um, but seriously, when he gets into the open field, it's just he's a hard guy to slow down. He's so big, and he actually moves really well for a big man. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit like Brandon Jacobs back in the day when he had like his heyday with the Giants. Um, but, you know, Washington has really struggled against running backs as of late. Uh, over their last seven games, they've allowed over 900 rushing yards on 172 carries. Uh, no team of running backs has totaled less than 4.23 yards per carry against them in that time. So knowing that Henry is going to get 15 plus touches in a home game, the odds of him like hitting the 100 yard mark are very good. So I think Derrick Henry is going to be considered like a high end RB2 for me. Uh, whereas Deion Lewis, I mean, running backs against uh, Washington over the last, I think, uh, seven weeks or so, uh, they've averaged, I think, 29 touches per game. So I think you could even bank on Deion Lewis getting 10 touches in that game. So he might even be in like high end RB4 territory, low end RB3. But Derrick Henry is someone that I would plug into fantasy lineups right on while he's hot. I mean, the guy just looks like he has fresh legs this late in the season while defenses just can't hang. Yeah, he did well at the end of last season, too. And I think that this is what it is, especially people are tired. It's been a long season. We're tired, frankly. I mean, it's been a long season for these guys. And just to have to tackle this guy, it's just running downhill right at you. It's just got to be terrible. Brandon Jacobs, great comp. Um, So, of course, I I highly doubt anybody was thinking that if they own him and they're in their championship matchup after the last two games, they're going to bench him. But certainly, I think he uh, has our full support. On the other side of the ball, just a disaster for everyone involved. Saquon Barkley, 14 you know, carries for 31 yards. He does get four catches for 25 yards on 10 targets mm-hmm. through the air. I mean, are you willing to basically write this entire thing off oh, yeah. in light of the weather? Yeah, Saquon yeah. didn't have a game below, I think, 95 yards, 95 total yards coming into this one. So I'm just going to write off his bad one. Tennessee's a tough matchup. People kind of somehow overlook that all the time. Sterling Shepard was the real big disappointment here for me. Nine targets. He catches just two passes for 37 yards uh, in Odell Beckham's absence. The targets are where they should have been, but uh, obviously the weather didn't cooperate either. Um, but going back over to the, t- the Titan side of the ball, I think Taewon Taylor is someone that's interesting. Like if you're looking for someone to snag off the waiver wire, like as like a, an emergency start, like let's say you have injury issues or, or whatever the case is, and you need someone in a deep league. Taewon t- Taylor has, um, over the last three weeks, he actually has more targets than Corey Davis. Uh, he's outproducing him yardage wise. And, uh, while Corey Davis deals with Josh Norman next week, you have Taewon Taylor going to match up with Fabian Moreau, which is a better matchup. So He's someone that's like a sneaky play in week 16. I'm not going to say that he's startable, like that you should want to start him as like a top 36 wide receiver, but he's definitely someone that I wanted to mention because he clearly has a bigger role in this offense. No, that's a good point. And frankly, I mean, I've seen Mariota, you know, and I was at the game against the Jets where there are just a couple of deep balls that he likes to throw on him. Mm -hmm. If he can catch one or two of those, he can make an impact. So that's good, especially for deeper leagues. Uh, Redskins 16, Jaguars 13. Let this be a lesson to all of you. When you play Madden football to learn your teammates' names, you will drive for game-winning scores and become a folk (laughs) hero like Josh Johnson did today. Uh, He doesn't play well. He does throw for a score. He rushes for 49 yards in the comeback victory. Adrian Peterson rushes. Uh, I believe it was 51 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. No Washington receiver does anything, of course. And on the other side of the ball, the only Jaguars player on whom you were relying at all, Leonard Fournette, gains only 64 total yards of either team tags. 
to me, Fournette's really the only real thing to discuss here. Are you still willing to roll with him next week against the Dolphins? Yeah, for sure. I'll play Fournette. I mean, I, I played him in DFS this week, and obviously that's going to bite me in the butt. Um, so, I, I, you know, the offensive line being hurt, that's definitely going to hurt. I mean, he had one carry for 25 yards. Outside of that, he had like 21 yards on 10 carries. Like, it was, it was a terrible game. Cody Kessler threw for 57 yards. Like, the offense has nothing going for it. So, firing their offensive coordinator hasn't changed a damn thing. I think going back to, back to Blake Bortles might actually help Leonard Fournette in the run game because at least Bortles offers another threat uh, to run the ball against the defense. So, um, it's, it's ugly. I would, I would want to avoid if, if possible, but when you have a running back who's getting, you know, 15 plus touches every week, again, like Fournette, you're going to play him as for Adrian Peterson. He's someone that's been trending downward for quite a long time. Uh, the loss of two interior offensive linemen has really hurt him a lot. If you were to take away that 90 yard touchdown run against the Eagles on prime time, uh, like three weeks ago or two weeks ago, whatever it was over the last seven games, he has averaged just 2.65 yards per carry. He has just two touchdowns on 93 carries. He's not much involved in the passing game, and he's going up against Tennessee next week, who we just saw shut down Saquon Barkley and Leonard Fournette the last two weeks. Um, so, yeah, I'm honestly, Peterson is not a must play next week. And if you have an option on your bench that you feel like offers you more potential, I, I would feel OK benching him if you had to. Yeah, honestly, he is one of the few guys who I could say, even when you are guaranteed as many touches as he is going to get in the backfield, I certainly do not feel compelled to play him yeah. Um, and not anywhere close. Even in that game where he had the 90 yard run, he didn't reach 100 yards nope. rushing. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, and it, it is, I think it, it's a combination both that he is probably slowing down. You know, you yeah. remember that he's he's defied age uh, for a while and he looked amazing. But, you know, it's a long season, as we talked about. And again, just how decimated that offensive line is. So certainly at the Titans, he will not be a recommended play, at least for me. He'll certainly be outside of RB2 range. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know where he's going to fall. But in the end, if you have other options, I would certainly explore them. Uh, Ravens 20, Bucks 12 in monsoon game number two. So again, the fantasy takeaways are a little bit limited here because the weather was so bad. But we can look at the running game. Gus Edwards gets 19 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown. Kenneth Dixon looks good again. 11 carries, 48 yards. But I assume... It's Edwards, the guy to own, and then Kenneth Dixon is sort of an emergency, maybe RB three in like PPR leagues or something. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's and that's probably exactly what I would tell people. Um, I was hoping that Dixon would have a bigger role. Uh, they're going to be playing the Chargers this this coming week, and this this is going to be an interesting one. Um, and Dixon might actually have more appeal because Baltimore. I don't want to say they were in control this entire game because it was a it was a close game throughout. I th I want I want to say at one point that they were down nine to three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so Gus Edwards, you know, the 19 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown, like that was just consistently beating down the defense. Does that happen with the Chargers? They're going to be playing in LA. Um, that run defense has you know lightened up over the last mm, I'd say a month or so. And but here's the thing: if LA jumps out to a lead, Baltimore all of a sudden has to go into a, a you know, more of a passing approach to, than they have. You know, they rushed the ball 49 times today. Like that, it's not going to happen against the Chargers. They're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. And Kenneth Dixon is actually involved in the passing game where Gus Edwards, he's now played five games as the starting running back. He has zero catches. He does not involve in the passing game at all. So if he gets game scripted out of it, he's a, he's a risky start. Whereas Kenneth Dixon at least offers you something in the passing game. So it'll be interesting to try and figure out how this, this backfield is going to work against the chargers. You kind of have to predict game script and um, it might work in Kenneth Dixon's favor. Yeah. If you own Gus Edwards, you're, you're of course you're, you're very happy, but this was not what I wanted to see as a fantasy analyst, as a fantasy owner, because frankly, 
That's exactly right. Uh, you know, Ty Montgomery was inactive mm-hmm. in this game. Kenneth Dixon is going to be the guy. You know, Buck Allen is still around, but Kenneth Dixon's going to be the guy if the game script turns negative, yep. which it probably will next week. And so it would have been great to see Kenneth Dixon kind of, you know, either Gus Edwards fail or Kenneth Dixon kind of take the reins a little bit so you could be like, great, this guy's going to be a reliable mm-hmm. RB2 because even if it goes south, we know he's going to get work in the passing game. It's just not there right now. So next week, both guys become you know riskier than I was hoping that either one would be. On the other side of the ball, again, you don't want to draw too many conclusions here because the weather mm-hmm. was so terrible. Jameis Winston, absolutely terrible. Mike Evans does find 121 yards receiving Peyton Barber. Again, solid. 19 carries, 85 yards, a touchdown. Anything you want to take away here from the Bucks side? You know, it just seemed like Baltimore is more geared up to try and stop the passing game this week uh, than they were the run game. And it was kind of like, Peyton Barber, you kind of do what you're going to do. And we're fine with that. And it worked. So, I mean... Yep. He definitely outperformed what I expected of him. Like I would have, honestly, if you would have told me that Peyton Barber had more than 60 rushing yards, I would have been surprised, let alone a touchdown. So um, he has scored, I think, in what, three of the last four games it might be, or three of the last five games, I can't remember. Uh, but he, I mean, he has had playability. And um, the matchup to close out the year against the Cowboys, that's another tough one. But I, Hey, as Marlon Mack showed, it, it, you know, they can be beat. They do have a great run defense. But, you know, he he's a guy who I feel like is above the Adrian Peterson line which is you're getting a lot of touches pretty much guaranteed, you can go to this guy because of that. I, I wouldn't feel super excited about him next mm-hmm. week against the Cowboys, but he's he's worth it. That's start. a similar territory for sure, like kind of like that boring low upside option. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you're in a pinch, you can do it, but I'd prefer him over Peterson uh, for sure. Let's get into the late games real quick here. Uh, 49ers 26, Seahawks 23 in overtime. Matt Breida does play here, rendering Jeff Wilson uh, not that exciting. But let's talk about Dante Pettis for a minute. Uh, you know, five targets, catches all of them for 83 mm-hmm. yards. Is he, you know, really this guy who can be uh, a wide receiver three? They do have the Bears next week. He is the guy in this offense, and I, uh, I I moved him into the top 30 wide receivers this week. I felt pretty good about it, and the reason I did was because Marquise Goodwin, as much as, you know, people wanted to talk about him being, like, you know, more of a complete player he when he returned to the team after his multi-week absence, he was fourth on the team in snaps among wide receivers. Like he played behind Kendrick Bourne and uh, Trent Taylor, so I felt like Marquise Goodwin wasn't going to be involved. I felt like game script should favor the passing game. We saw Mullins throw for I think 425 against them a couple weeks ago, so I did uh, actually like Dante Pettis in this game against the Bears. You're probably going to see more of the passing game. They're not going to be able to run the ball against the Bears. Um, you have to have persistence and you have to like continually, continually just pound the ball in order to break that, that the shell that the Bears have. Uh, but I, I think Dante Pettis is probably going to be in wide receiver three range again next week against the Bears, even though it is a tougher matchup. Kyle Fuller and Prince of Mucamara, they're, they're solid cornerbacks. They're turnover machines, but I don't think that they're guys that are shut down where it's like you legitimately can't play a wide receiver against them. I'll take the number one option for George, uh, for Nick Mullins. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, the number one is a wide receiver, of course, because George Kittle um, is the number one option overall, but I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to be a wide receiver three, maybe low end, but he'll be up there. I'm, they're going to have to throw. Um, and he is the number one option. So uh, in the, as a receiver. So I would, I would certainly go back to the well, with him if you own him uh, and you advance this week. On the other side of the ball, Chris Carson, again, 22 carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown. Russell Wilson throws two touchdowns, both to Doug Baldwin, mm-hmm. finally. You know, he he was questionable coming in with his hip injury, but he plays well, uh, four catches, 77 yards, and two touchdowns. Take away from the Seahawks side of the ball. Uh, Chris Carson, man, stud. I mean, the guy just continually looks good. I don't know what they're going to do with him and Rashad Penny. I wonder if there's a trade to be had this offseason because there was apparently a few teams that were looking into trading for Rashad Penny. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but they have two 
good running backs, and Chris Carson has proven to be like the man. Uh, San Francisco has been tough against the run. The, t- the touchdown that Chris Carson had today was ridiculous. Like, it was a grown man touchdown in that, like, he, like, was dragging a defender into the end zone. Like, he was he was hit, stuffed at, like, the two-yard line, bounced off that tackle, bounced off another one, and then carried a guy into the end zone. It was just a fantastic play, and I, I just love the guy's effort. He... I don't know if the durability is there, um, but at the same time, he he, he had to leave the field during the fourth quarter, but he did return to action. Um, They lost this game like San Francisco. Do you guys not want the number one pick? Like, I I don't I don't know what's happening here, but they just won another game. It's two in a row now. (laughs) By the way, kudos to this is what I would say. Vegas knows all because I think the line was something like the the, uh, Seahawks were favored by three. And I remember looking at the line and being like, wow, I, I actually, you know, in our in our uh pros we we pick the games and i i took the 49ers with those points because i just said i i feel like vegas knows something i don't you know yeah divisional road games are always tough and like honestly like that's the thing is doug um russell wilson never like plays like lights out in divisional games like i know he threw three touchdowns against them the last time they played he only threw the ball i think 17 times so he doesn't like go off uh the pass rush was just too much for him in this one throwing balls away um like literally scramble scrambling for his life um, but Chris Carson is a must play next week against the, against the Chiefs. The Chiefs have been struggling against running backs all season long. He's a must play. And it, honestly, even if Rashad Penny's back, I, I don't know if I want to go there just because he's coming. He'd be coming back from a knee injury. But Carson is definitely a must play. And if and if Penny's out again, I would I will rank Chris Carson as an RB one. Could not agree more. He is the guy. He is running very well. Uh, and without Penny, sort of cutting in with those eight to ten carries. He should be a monster, even yeah. if it's a negative game script. They will still rely on the run because mm-hmm. that's how they do things. All right, let's finish it up strong here. Steelers 17, Patriots 10, uh, Jalen Samuels 19 carries, 142 yards. It does sound like Connor will be back next week. Um, but wow, as for the receivers, kind of a disappointing game. Uh, James Washington leads the way with 65 yards. Antonio Brown does find the end zone. Juju Smith-Schuster gets 10 targets, but only four receptions for 40 yards. Anything you want to take away here from the Steelers? This this game sucked in terms of what <laughs> I expected from it. Like, there was touchdowns on each of the first possessions. It was 7-7. I'm like, yeah, let's get it. Like, <laughs> geared up for like a, you know, like a 60-point bonanza, um, and it never came. And the game was really disappointing from there on out. Jalen Samuels proved that the Steelers running back is... Really, if I mean, if you're the Steelers running back and you don't have to deal with a timeshare, as much as people want to say that it's it's the position doesn't matter, I think it's so much that position doesn't matter in certain offenses. And this is one of those offenses that if you're in that clear-cut number one role, you're going to get fantasy points. The offensive line is awesome. The play calling does benefit the running backs. The, the, you know, the receiving options they have draw defenders out of the box. It requires safeties to stay over the top. There's so many reasons, right? And that's why it's like, I think it does matter, but in this offense, necessarily, it doesn't. So uh, Jalen Samuels, if for whatever reason James Conner was out, Samuels is obviously a must play, but it is, we have to remember it is against the saints next week. And the saints have been like legitimately a lights out defense. Like in, in terms of like rushing yards coming into this week, I don't know if you realize how good they've been, uh, Dan, but on the year coming into this week, they have allowed 689 rushing yards on the year. The next closest team was Houston who had allowed 869. That's a, a 180 yard gap between the next closest team. The Saints have allowed 3.2 yards per carry on the season. Like they've been dominant against the run, like better than the Bears. So yeah, and and they play extremely well at home, uh-huh. which is where they're going to be next week. So it is something that would be scary. I do wonder whether or not Samuel's performance and the fact that they won, I mean they need to keep winning because the Ravens are I believe a half game behind them. But I do wonder whether or not Samuel's performance here and the fact that he showed that he could really pretty easily carry the load when they he They take it easy on on Connor. 
correct that they hold him back. They're probably going to make the playoffs and whether or not they mean Connor's out. So for we, um, week. while I have you on the podcast, because obviously you're not going to be on the rest of the week. I want to ask you this question. Let's pretend that we're it's now Thursday. OK, and we're looking at it. And James Connor is limited in practice. They're saying that they're going to play, but they expect to have him on a snap count. How do you feel about Jalen Samuels and how do you feel about James Conner? Ugh, is that enough of an answer for you? I mean, that, that really, it, I, I, if Connor is going to be limited, it is going to be terrible. Yeah. I imagine that Samuels is going to get a lot of work in that situation anyway, because they're going to have points scored on them with the Saints. Um, but I mean, if they're both going to play, I, I certainly am not back to ranking Connor as like a, a rock solid RB one, not anything mm-hmm. close if he's going to be limited. So I don't know. I'd probably, you know, have them, you know, Connor a little higher than Samuels, but I'd have them, I don't know, close to like lower be two range what about you yeah i mean that's the thing that's why i wanted to ask you because i think that's a realistic possibility that that's what we hear that james connor is going to be back for this game but that they're not going to give him the full workload they're going to split it up a little bit with jalen samuels and in that case i'm probably ranking connor is like a low-end rb2 and samuels is like a high-end rb3 (laughs) yeah that's probably what i would do and i know that it's and some people are going to say that's like you know you're you're hedging your bets and that's fine you kind of have to do that because i'm not going to say that i know for sure i don't think anybody does yeah. All right. And on the other side of the ball, other than one of the ugliest interceptions that you'll ever see, uh, uh, anything you want to take away here from the Pats or is this just a bad game and start everybody as you ordinarily would against the Bills? Yeah. Sonny Michelle's been disappointing. Uh, I felt like this was a game where he could have got back on track. I thought that the Patriots were going to have more scoring opportunities, to be honest with you. Uh, but honestly, I don't know who is like a must play in their offense anymore. Rob Gronkowski has a disappointing game against one of the, the softest defenses against uh a tight ends and he, a team that he had traditionally crushed. Um, you have James White, who has seen a, a declining role with Rex Burkhead back. Rex Burkhead's not getting enough touches to be fantasy relevant. Sony Michelle's not finding the end zone. Julian Edelman and, and Josh Gordon. I mean, Gordon has two targets in this game. I know he was covered by Joe Hayden, but come on. Like, I don't know. The Patriots, I, I'm at the point now. I have been saying for a long time that I feel like t- Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski are done after this year. I think I'm standing by that. I think this is, it's been a grind of a season. They just lost two in a row. And I just think, I I think we're witnessing the end of a dynasty. And, you know, this is nothing against Tom Brady. It's nothing against Rob Gronkowski. Like they've been an amazing duo to watch. Bill Belichick, does he go to the Browns, return home? And uh, Coach Baker Mayfield, I hope so. (laughs) Um, But I I don't know how you feel about this because you're, you're, you know, you're, you know that division inside and out, but I, I feel like this is the end. So I think Rob Gronkowski almost assuredly retires at the end of the year. I would be shocked if he doesn't. Brady, look, I, I've said this to a couple of friends here. This is the longest I can remember watching Brady and thinking that he just doesn't look right. Um, you know, you've had these brief periods in the past over, you know, probably uh, going back three or four years at this point, you said, is this the end? This feels like the end. Um, I, I don't know for sure, um, but, you know, it, he does not look the same. At this point, he still is doing fine because of the system, but his passes don't have the same zip on it that, you know, especially the the longer ones. So, you know, if I had if it if it wasn't for my own personal feelings, I would probably say yes. But then I'm sure they'll win the Super Bowl. This year, so that, <laughs> I would not you know. rule them out. And honestly, yeah. I would pick them over like this. If they were if I had to choose between them and the Steelers to win the Super Bowl, I'd still take the Patriots because I still think that they'd find a way to get it done. But I still yeah. feel like this is the end. 
Yeah, no, I I am inclined to agree. And as a Jets fan, I certainly hope that's the case. But uh, anyway, that is it for today's show. Before we go, I do want to remind everyone about the David Johnson signed helmet giveaway. Just go to fantasypros.com slash contest. And again, that's brought to you by the sponsor of today's show, Pristine Auction. Remember, they have a ton of amazing items up for auction every single day. Just go to pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. On behalf of everyone here at Fantasy Pros, thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve